When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The 10th time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! And he puts it in! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Eden Road podcast, where on tonight's show we're going to be going over the 3-1 home defeat against Man City on Monday night. Joining me for the full-time show is, is just Callum today. We've we've not got too many people available, but Callum has turned up as he does. Callum, mate, how are you? I'm all good. How you doing, mate? Are you, you all good? All good, mate. All good. Just before we get going, guys, remember if you haven't listened to the podcast before, please do share it around with your mates. Subscribe to the YouTube and Spotify channels and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Elam Road on Twitter and at Elam Road Pod on Instagram. I thought we'd start off by doing a new segment to the podcast, Callum. I have spoken on the podcast before about the kind of meltdowns that that make me chuckle, shall we say, <laughs> after Brentford lose a game. So I thought we'd do Tweet of the Week, which means every week I'm going to have a little scroll through my Twitter feed, see the most controversial tweet. And my God, I do. I had to, I had to scroll a while this week because there were some fucking outrageous takes. But mm. Tom Purchase 6, at Tom Purchase 6, you are the winner of this week's Tweet of the Week. <laughs> He said, after the game against Man City, I know it is Man City, but when do the board start looking at Thomas Frank? <laughs> Callum, yes, Callum, take it away, son. I did have the privilege of seeing that tweet, funny enough, actually. I didn't bite at it. I thought, well, you know what? Half our fan base will do that instead. And uh, you, can't, you can't base a, I thought, performance-wise, we'll touch upon it later, but uh, you can't you can't sack someone or even consider sacking someone when you've just beaten the champions of England, the champions of Europe, the champions of the world, and they only beat us three one. So you know, all right, you look at the bigger picture. We're not doing very well at the moment, but considering mm-hmm. sacking one of our most influential and successful managers. Don't be silly, mate. Don't be silly. Why don't you come on the show and you can explain yourself? <laughs> well, Tom, if you're a listener, that, that's an open invitation to come on the next episode of the podcast and state your case. Um, 
I just think, you know, Thomas. You should Francisco. tag him. You should tag. You should tag him in this. <laughs> I'll tag him. I'll tag him. I'll tag him when I. I'll tag him when I. When I when I put this up later on. Um. But yeah, I think. I think we can expect a few appearances of in tweet of the week from Uzi. I think he had another one that I bookmarked earlier, but I thought this one he was just pipped by the crazy Thomas Frank shout. But Uzi might be a regular feature on this new segment of the podcast. Let's just uh, let's just get into City first of all. I think we should start by saying, Callum, that in the context of the next few games that we've got, kicking off with a positive performance against, like you said, what is probably the best team in the world at the moment, won the treble last year. It looks like they're going to run away with the title this year. Well, the result on Monday really helped them, especially because Arsenal beat Liverpool as well. But it's not the worst way to start in terms of that bigger picture in terms of this month. Absolutely not. I think, you know, the first, uh, you know, the first half again, you know, we defensively played incredibly well. You know, we, yes, we had Flecken to thank for, for keeping that clean sheet for 45 minutes or so. Um, so defensively, we looked very solid. You know, we frustrated them. Uh, you know, we got a good goal. I mean, you know, Flecken getting the assist as well and another goal for more pay. So the positives were, we kept them at bay for 45 minutes and scored the first goal. Negatives, again, for me personally, would be two two out of three goals were silly goals to concede. Mistakes, really, I don't think you should be making. But, listen, you know, we did well, plenty of positives, and we kick on to Saturday. It'll be an interesting game for sure. Yeah, we'll get on to Wolves. Oh, you kind of touched on it, but let's talk about Neil's goal. Um, and then we can get on to Mark Flecken's contributions because I feel like that was a real coming-of-age performance and something that I didn't see coming. And it was like when the first save when the first save happened, I was like, oh my God. Then the next one happened, I was like, what is going on? He must have been smoking something before the game because he was <laughs> on fire. And I hope that's a sign of things to come. But we'll start by talking about Neil because it just seems like at the moment you give him a chance and he's going to bury it. I, from where we were standing in the West End, I honestly thought it was going wide. Um, having watched it back, it's obviously a nice bit of play by Tony. And I think we need to talk about Tony's performance as well. Um, but obviously, a great bit of screening from Tony. It falls through to Neil. And at the moment, Callum, he's just on fire. You called it on the podcast before. You said you think he's going to score a few goals for us. I think that's now six in his last six or five in his last five or, or one of the two. Just yeah. how the rest have you been with him in the last couple of weeks? Very much so. You know, you give him an opportunity, he, he nine times out of ten, he he scores. And I, well, I was impressed. I actually thought nothing against Neil Morpé here. Um, when he went through on goal, I actually thought he was going to miss it, to be honest with you, just because it was, it wasn't, it was a very, it was a difficult one. He had a lot of time to think about it. He had to compose himself. And, you know, the finishes of late, other than the Wolves home game in the Cup, They've been, you know, relatively easy opportunities to score, including the one at Tottenham, which was a bit of a fluke. But he had to put it away, and he put it away very, very well. Um, so full credit to him. You know, I, as you touch upon, Mike, when we signed him, I did say we saw at Brighton what he was capable of doing in in the Premier League um, at Everton. I said at length. It was a club and in complete free-for-all. So it was never going to work out for him. But he's at a club that believes in him, who gave him the chance in England to start with. And I will say again, he will score over 10 goals. We're at seven now. I keep looking every time he scores. So it's going up again. Seven goals. Look, he likes Wolves as well. So I like to think he'll get himself a little, little cameo, maybe eight, get to eight, maybe get to nine on Saturday. 
it's great to see. The only issue I have now is what agreement do we have with Everton? If he kicks on, he does well. Now, yes, he's in his last year of his contracts after after July. You know, what a what what figure are we realistically looking at if a striker has gone and scored 13, 14 goals, you know, in the season? Um, that will come with a price tag. So, you know, but he's doing well. I think everyone will be very pleased. Very pleased. Yeah. I think um the, the thing that impressed me the most about his performance well his overall performance impressed me a lot because obviously he got the goal but I feel like coming up against Man City where we don't have a lot of the ball he was actually an out ball a lot of the time and I'd like to see his kind of dual percentage and his pass completion I haven't actually checked but his overall performance as well as the goal he was he was my man of the match and long may that continue let's let's get on to Flecken because we have we've debated him on what feels like every episode of this podcast since he signed for us. Um, made the most saves in one half, I think, this season that the Premier League's seen. He's the only keeper now to have an assist in a Premier in the Premier League this season. Just in terms of what that's going to do for him, and on the back of the interviews he's done since the game, and he said he says something along the lines of, you know, th- these are the levels that. I knew that I could hit, and Thomas Frank's been saying it is why we signed him. I'm really hoping now, Callum, that he he really kicks on because not only was he saving everything that came at him, and even even the goals that we conceded, I don't think he could have done much about either of them. Any of them. Um, Phil Foden's just an incredible player, and I I think even even with a header, I know some people are saying he probably should have got there, but just it, that just kind of mars it for me. It was just it was a great performance from him, and something that I hope he continues into the next few games because we're going to need him against some of the teams we're playing. Very much so. I mean, I, I pick out the Harland save. I actually think that was yeah. the one that stood out for me. Um, you know, Harland's with what he has in his locker. He is an incredible football player. And, you know, when he went through, I was saying straight away, I said, this is going in, you know. But the... You know how well he was playing, the confidence he had. Um, you know, it was it was great to see, and I hope he kicks on. I mean, I remember a month or so ago he had an interview, I think, with the club. I think it might have been Stu Wakefield or or, or someone similar, and he talked about the mental impact of coming over to the Premier League, and uh, you know the how difficult it was because there is you, you keep being a goalkeeper is hard enough but in the biggest league in the world i mean that, that everything is is on your shoulders everyone will scrutinize every single mistake that you make so you know i all credit to him um i you know some will say yes foden's header slightly frustrating you know but it was a difficult one it was low he might have been expecting a bit more defensive cover there. So they might, he may not have expected Bowden to even get to the ball in the first place. But fantastic performance. And uh, hope he kicks on. I really, really do. I hope he does. I was just saying that it would be in the interest of everyone for him to use this as a foundation to build on. Because even after the game, I've still seen some people saying he still is the worst goalkeeper in the league. But, you know... He's a he's clearly a confidence player. His confidence has been low. He must have been seeing all the stuff online about what people are saying about him. And I just hope that he uses it as a foundation to build on. And that game would have gone a long way to bringing his goals prevented come down, come, bringing his goals prevented down, just because of the sheer amount and the volume that he had to save 
throughout the game. Just before we move on, I don't know if you uh, have seen any of the fallout from the Morpe and Kyle Walker discussions. I, I have, yes, that. very much so, very much so. <laughs> and they've You're got way... a uh, interpreter, hang on, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious. We said it on the last episode that I don't want him to change. Um, and I like that he's he's becoming this pantomime villain and he's getting under people's skins. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a... Have you seen the film In Bruges? I haven't, no, to be honest with you, Mike. No, no there's a clip from In Bruges where the main guy is talking to his boss and he's just... People will know if they've seen In Bruges, they'll know the scene that I'm talking about because someone on Twitter has duped over it and it's like the conversation that's going on between Neil Mopé and Carl Walker. And I will somehow direct people to that when I post this uh, when I post this online. But if you've seen In Bruges, you'll know the scene I'm talking about when he starts talking about his kids, it's absolutely hilarious. I thought I'd, I'd time, I'd signpost that just for anyone that's seen in bridge. Cause they'll know, they'll know the scene I'm talking about before we move on. I think the timing of the goal Foden's equalizer was really what killed us. Even though it did give me a little bit of hope that Foden scored the equalizer in the stoppage time of first half. Cause I was thinking to myself, Oh, this is exactly what happened at the Etihad when we stuffed him. But I feel like once they got that goal, it was going to be a long old second half. And it really was. I, for me, the first half was quite enjoyable because obviously we got we got the goal and whenever Flecken made a save, it was like we got on another one. I, the, the, the save from Haaland's one-on-one was just like the noise that I heard from Incredible. it. It's like we scored. It was like we yeah. scored the noise from the West End. But after that, the timing of the first goal, it was always going to be a difficult second half. Very much so. I mean, especially with the, the, the kind of calibre of players that you know city had to to bring off the bench you know you had even jack Grealish who didn't even get off the bench on on monday night um so it was always going to be a very very difficult you know lead to keep against city frustrating in the fashion in the fashion that we how we conceded it i think to be honest with you as i touched upon earlier i think we could have done better with the first goal um and then also the second goal as well with the marking it was non-existent i don't really know what went on, to be honest with you. Uh, but no, City are a team who are masters at breaking you down. They will always find a way nine times out of ten. Um, and they just know how to be patient. They've got that quality. Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, they said that was the, the obviously the assist merchant. He set up Foden as well for, for, the, uh, for, the, for, the, for the lead for City. Um, frustrating, but listen... We gave it a good crack. We move on, and I'm sure we'll do well on Saturday. I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. Yeah, let's let's talk about. I think we should mention the Norgard chance just just before that, though. Half time. Nice to see a familiar face back at Brentford. Yotta making a, an appearance. Just I don't know why he was there, but it was it was nice to to see him again. I don't know if anyone's very much so. Well, I don't know if I don't know if you're tapped into the story about his retirement from football and what he's doing now. He's got this billion dollar company. The the profits are set to reach a billion dollars in 2024. He runs this like agricultural tech company um, yes, that's yeah, supposed to yeah. be super sustainable. And he's in collaboration with the Spanish government and he's trying to sell it to America. Listen, I, I know that Matthew Benham is looking for people to invest in Brentford football club. Yotta would be a fantastic investor. And I would, I think everyone would welcome him with open arms. It would be amazing to see Yotta back at the football club. And the thing, the thing with Yotta, I know he's a fantastic servant to the football club, and he was he, he left and then he came back, and there's all this kind of romance with it. But I think just that goal, that and the fact that we were shown it at halftime, and it's just iconic. That that whole 
season when we got the playoffs and he was kind of at the heart of that and it was the reason that he got his move to a bigger club afterwards but Callum Jota as a as a potential investor into Brentford would you take it don't see a reason why not I mean he uh the only thing I miss about him Mike is his long hair I tell you goodness me he's a completely different man he's got the beard still but he you know he's uh he's lost his long hair which is a shame but no fantastic glad to see what he's done for himself off the field after leaving um you know us then went to Birmingham um and then on to Aston Villa I think from there actually or sort of similar kind of path so he, he's done very well for himself I wish him well great to see him back down obviously at, at the club and to receive his hat for the lifeline hat I think for uh, I think just to celebrate what certain players have done for the club um I would like to see Dear Graga down there next I don't know if he's got one of those hats yet but Get Dear Graga down there. Is he still playing, one. Dave? Dave I was say, at. I want to say Dave was playing. at Morecambe. He was at <laughs> Morecambe, and then I think he moved to somewhere else after that. But um, I know he's retired now. No, he has. He put a tweet out okay, I think, at the okay. end of last season. But he was at Morecambe. He was doing very, very well. Um, but no, even bigger reason to get him down. Even bigger exactly. reason. So exactly. yeah, very he probably still putting a shift in on midfield. To be fair, absolute baller. Honestly, hundred percent, hundred percent. Anyway, let's. Uh, I think we should talk about the Christian Norgard chance in the second mm. half. And to be fair, like the second half, I say that we were under the cosh and we were under the cosh, but there were a couple of spells where we got at City in the high press, we nicked it off them and there was a bit of pressure. We had a corner or two and I was thinking, you know, if we get a goal back, we could, you know, mount something here. But I feel like the Norgard chance on first viewing from the West End, I was saying to the people around me, he's got a score. Having watched it back on match their day, I feel like the angle is very tight for him to score and it is a tremendous block from Ruben Diaz coming across. If he's going to score, he literally has to put it in the top of the left-hand corner and there's no room for error. It was probably a chance that I'd rather see fall to Ivan Tony or Neil Mope, but it was it was difficult. But just more broadly speaking, I was, I was really impressed with our game plan. I was really impressed with our game plan. We set up in that low block. But we showed a lot of intent on the counter-attack. We pressed them high up the pitch at times. And also, we tried to play out the back quite fast. I feel like Thomas Frank, that was definitely an initiative. It's like, if you let this City team set, we're not going to be able to break them down because they've just got better players than us all over the pitch. And it was nice to see that even when we were 3-1 down, Flecken, whenever we gathered the ball from a City attack, he'd always feed Ben Mee and we'd always try to look to switch the play and build spaces and eliminate their press. It was, even though we lost 3-1... I couldn't think of a better way to lose 3-1 against the calibre of a team that Manchester City are. Mm, agreed. No, I think, you know, we've gone out there to play a certain type of football and, you know, one that is, you know, really enjoyable to watch. And, you know, we did have glimpses. Yes, absolutely. Norgard, you know, difficult opportunity uh, to make it 2-2, obviously. There's a lot of pressure on him to take that chance. It looks easy as a supporter, but being on that pitch, I tell you, is a completely different ball game. Um, I know that from just trying to kick a ball into the centre circle. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad enough. Um, but um, no, listen, we I thought we did very, very well. And, uh, you know, I think if we had a couple more players in there, if we didn't have the African Cup of Nations, for example, um, you know, missing uh, you know, another couple more players. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> Onyeka, listen, you remember Mike? He was part of that team. He won 2-1 there last he season. Was. He was. So, um, I'll give him that. 
You know, I um, no, I think if we had a full strength team, I think that would have been better. But I think we the players we had out of the pitch, we put a very good shift in. Um, we had set piece, good set piece opportunities as well. Um, we had a little five to ten minute spell, I think, after Norgard's chance, uh, where you know we had a good couple of opportunities from throw-ins, from corner set pieces. I must say, Regulon had a very good game yeah. as well. Actually, we haven't touched upon that yet, but I think he did very, very well. Uh, him and Carl Walker had some good little contests down that side of the pitch, uh, and Regulon's quick. I mean, Walker, fair play to him. I know, you know, he's come out and said a few stuff about more play, but he. You know, he, he had a good little battle with Regulon. So, Regulon, he was my man of the match, but obviously Flecken got it. But, um, no, it was good all round. Really impressed, really impressed. I think with Regulon, you can see the the quality that he has. He was, like, the, his calmness on the ball, the way he would sometimes drift past either, whether it be Walker or Silver on the left-hand side, where he would dummy the pass and go inside and then feed someone on, in the middle. You can see, you can see that there's there's class to that player, and you're absolutely right. It, it was a really good full debut, and it's nice to know that we have a top quality left back for the games that we're going to play against teams where we feel like we should at least be getting a point or the crunch games. I, I mean, look, we came to the Man City game knowing these aren't this isn't the type of game that we need to win if we want to steer clear of relegation this season. It's the game against Wolves on th- on Saturday. It's the game against West Ham at the end of the month. And then it's whoever we play after that. It's just th- these next run of 12 games, we need to pick up points where it's possible to pick up points. We've got to be realistic. We're playing Man City at home. They've just won the treble. It's at the, the worst time of the season that we could play them because it's around this time where Pep Guardiola just starts to lean forward and it's game over for everyone. Whereas when we played them twice last season, it was before that purple patch that they always go through and it was after they'd already won the league. So we need to be realistic about the games that we want to win if we want to stay clear of relegation. And to have a player like Sergio Reguilón fit, and he almost got ninety minutes under his belt the other night, and he and he looked he looked really really good. So that's that's a massive positive to take. There's there's a lot of positives to take from this performance. So you know all the people saying doom and gloom were going down. It is worrying that we've thrown away another lead, but it's not worrying that it's against. It's less worrying because it's against Man City. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shall there's one. There's what. There's one place. There's one place to uh, you know to fight for. I think the bottom two have gone basically, mm-hmm. unless it's an absolute miracle from them two now. Um, you know, I'm still frustrated we lost to Sheffield United, but those two realistically, when you look at the games they've played and how and of the points on the board, you've got to say they're probably gone. It's that last position where everyone's fighting in there. You've got Everton, you've got Crystal Palace, you've got Luton, you've got us, you've got Nottingham Forest. There's 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 a lot to play for, um, but I I have said previously though I I think we'd be okay. I'm a little bit at the moment, but I think you know if we keep I think the the the, the thing is important now is we keep players fit. 
Like we need we need a full strength team to get us through this difficult period. We have players coming back in the next few weeks. The bench is going to look very very good when these players come back from the African Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup with Godos as well. So. You know, we just got to get through this patch. It's it's hard to see. I was looking at the Sky Sports, you know, table the other day, and it's just red, 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 red. You know, mm -hmm. for loss, 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 and it's frustrating. We haven't had this for a long, long time. Sporting Brentford, so it's, uh, you know, we just got to get through this. Get a couple of wins on the bounce. You saw that earlier in the season. What three wins in a row did? You know, that really did catapult us up the league, and it will again. You look at Wolves. Mm -hmm. You know, we touched upon obviously with this week. You know, how one win can turn into two to turn into three. Anything can happen in this league. Anything can happen. It's that close. So, you know, fingers crossed. I think we'll be all right, though. I think we'll be all right. Yeah, we let's touch on Chris Ayer and Mads Ruslev. Kind mm. of that they, they overlap when you talk about the two of them because one of them is replacing the other one. I've seen Mads Ruslev come under a bit of stick in the last few weeks. I actually thought he did all right against City. Um, it wasn't going to be a game where he's going to get loads of joy down the right-hand side. It's just not how we were going to win that game. We we're always going to win on the break, and Mads is defensively a better player than he is offensively. But I think the weird thing that I don't get and I don't really understand is the fact that Chris Ayer, I don't know, it must be a fitness thing because I'm thinking in a fully fit, if, if Mads Reslev and Chris Ayer are fully fit, I'm thinking Chris Ayer offers more than Mads Reslev going forward and more than him defensively as well. So are you thinking it's a fitness issue there with Aya? It's difficult to say. I'd love to, you know, you back in the day, you used to hear from the fitness department as to what was going on, but now you don't. Um, I suspect it probably is. Um, it's, you know, you've got to remember these, these players have had a lot over the last 18 months or so with the amount of games being played with the World Cup. Obviously, you didn't go to the World Cup, but, you know, you get the gist. Obviously, a big, a big pre-season as well. Um, so there's been a lot on the players. So, yes, yeah, so I reckon there is some kind of niggling injury there. Where the, the, you know, the medical team have had to advise Frank on how to, to play Christopher Raya. Would I say he should have started against City? Absolutely. I think Roslev had come under a really barren spell. Um, I love him. I think he's done a lot for the club. I said this last week. and uh, But I think when a player is that low in confidence... I think sometimes taking them away from the situation will do them the will do them good, and um, I think that is what we should have done against City. He played well, but if you look at Chris I, I think he's going forward. He's fantastic. He's got a bit of pace. He's got a, a height on him as well, which I think would have been brilliant against City because we've seen that they at, at set pieces. You know, when we went there last year in particular. You know, they're not particularly very good at dealing with set pieces and having that extra player with that extra bit of height on there could have really helped us. So, mm -hmm. um, but no, who knows? I'd love someone to come and answer again, like if you're watching the medical team, because there's a lot to talk about you at the moment. So if you want to come <laughs> out and uh, say yay or nay to whether he's got an injury or not, then yeah, crack on, crack on. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> let's, we will talk about the medical team because there was, there was news today about JDS that I think people caught wind of a couple of days ago as to why he wasn't in the squad for Man City. Um, but before that, let's talk about relegation in general. I'm going to throw you a little extract from an athletic piece that I read the other day. In their first two Premier League seasons, Brentford led in 39 games, of which we won 28, we draw 10, and we lost once. 
this season, we've dropped 26 points from winning positions, the most in the league, and more than their first two Premier League seasons combined. And I, I, I want to talk about this in terms of the bigger, in terms of the bigger picture, because, like I just said, I feel feel like the result yesterday, going one 0 up against Man City, like it may as well still be 0 0 because they've just got so much firepower. They're going to undo you eventually. It's just a case of when. But I mean, twenty six points from winning positions, and I'm talking about games like Forest when they were down to ten. I'm talking about games like Man United when we were one 0 up in the ninety first minute or whenever it was. It is. It is just it is worrying, and and the game against Spurs, recency bias, but the game against Spurs, it is worrying that this team has the propensity to sometimes just switch off, and when they do switch off, it's not just like switch off and then on again. It's that switch off and we're fucking dead for the next ten minutes because we're going to get absolutely battered. It's that is that is something worrying, and that's something that obviously would be helped by injured players coming back. I say I said it so many times, but Rika Henry is just such a big huge miss for us in terms of his defensive capabilities as is Aaron Hickey we don't really have an injury update on him either but just in terms of I'm trying to I'm trying to think in my head whether if we had Rika Henry and Aaron Hickey back fit those that the games against Spurs for example or the game against um the one I just mentioned when they were down to 10 what, what which one did I just which one did I just say uh, <laughs> Well, we we well when we were down to ten. When we no, were, when they oh, were down, forest, oh, forest, 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 right. <laughs> it's a good thing that one of us is switched on. Like those ones, I'm thinking to myself, if we have a fully fit back line, are those the games that we're seeing out, and are those the games that we're taking three points from? Because I mean, if you look at the, those kind of games, you're talking about nine, twelve, maybe fifteen points, or even we'd hang on to draws and we'd have another five points. And it's just like our, it's like you said, our position in the table would catapult right up and we wouldn't be talking about relegation. We'd be talking about, right, when we get these players back, we actually start to looking up the table instead of right now where we're looking at the players gone and we're looking, we're saying, Jesus, we're getting desperately close to a relegation fight here and the fixtures aren't easing up and the injury list is getting worse. So just talk to me in terms of the running for the rest of February, in terms of those statistics, which are pretty grim, I don't really want to repeat them, but... 26 points lost from winning positions this season. It is, it is worrying. Too many. It is too many. I said that the other day. I mean, of course, yes, Man City again, yeah, quality, but it does go into that category again of drop points. Um, it is it is really concerning. And you look at it and you say, you know, what, what has gone wrong? Now, you could look at injuries, absolutely. Um, you know, when we were blessed to have a fully strength fully strengthened, you know, team as we did, you know, with Henrico Henry there. We had the capability of having Aaron Hickey at, at right back as well because he was capable of doing that. So certainly that's one aspect of looking at it. What I also look at is someone touched upon this earlier in the season and I'm actually tending to agree with it now, is actually the impact of having someone with that captain experience of Pontus Janssen and whether he was playing or whether he was in the background you know giving his feedback to the center backs to the full backs wherever on the pitch having someone there with that kind of drive and enthusiasm I, you know i think ben mee's got that but and but i don't think he's got it anywhere near or any of the other players do as much as what pontus jansen did you know i think he really did offer something both on and off the pitch for Brentford. And I still wonder why we got rid of him, to be honest with you. Um, I think he, that that back line we 
offered it offered so much last season. Something's gone horribly wrong this season, and it's hard. It is hard to pinpoint what it is: injuries, or whether losing Pontus Janssen. Who knows? I don't know. But I mean, what do you think, Mike? I'll tweet, I'll put this back onto you. Do you think Pontus Janssen, if he was still around the club, would he make that back line any better? Do you think? And do you think we would concede as many goals as is what we're doing at the moment and dropping as many points? It's a difficult one because I think we kind of all agreed last season that of the centre-backs we had available when they were fit, Pontus Janssen was probably at the bottom of the pecking order. But like you say, it's those intangibles that you can't really measure in terms of his leadership and the way he drives players on. You could argue that Tony has the same kind of characteristics to his game, but it's difficult to help the players defensively when you're not a centre-half, whereas yeah. Pontus Janssen was. But I feel like the bigger, the broader issue is that we just don't ha- we don't know how to deal with momentum. I remember when we came up in the first season and in the second season, the, the stats speak for themselves. We go 1-0 up in a game and it would be like, well, we're not going to lose because yeah. we, we didn't we go on some mental run of, of we sc- when we scored first in, in something like 20 games, yeah. we'd hadn't dropped or we, we'd not gone on to lose the game. And it was it, yeah. was, some, it was a record for us at the time. But it's just, I'm just seeing this season, when the momentum shifts, it's like the crowd gets up and our backs are turning. And the amount of times I've seen us score, it's like Craig said before the last game, if we score first against City, we're stuffed. Obviously, yeah. because City, City being City, it makes that, that, or that sentiment kind of irrelevant. But it is kind of like, we go 1-0 up. We go 1-0 up against Wolves on Saturday and I will not be confident for the rest of the game that we're, one, going to keep a clean sheet or two, going to get a second to kill the game off. Whereas... Yeah. There was a turning point last season where I think we were kind of saying the same thing around the Nottingham Forest game, the 2-2 draw. And it was like, we need to get this third goal. We need to get this third goal or the second goal when we're 1-0 up. And I was confident post-Man City after that, when we went on that incredible run, when we'd won like 8-9 and nine or something like that. It was, we would get that first goal, we'd soak up the pressure, we'd hit them on the counter-attack and we'd kill them, we'd kill the game dead. But this season, just we're just not dealing with the momentum shift. And I don't know if that's coachable because I'm not I'm not coach, but... We need to get on top of it because if it keeps going this way, we're going to drop even more points, and that's when we're going to be in real trouble. But the, the th- like, I feel like the most telling part of what I just said is that we'll go one nil up against Wolves on Saturday, and I am no, I'm no more confident than I would have been before the game, and I think mm. that says a lot. Very much so. One thing I would say is also as well, what's concerning me is just the sheer amount of goals we are conceding at the moment as well. Now, I think on average, we are conceding at least three goals per game at the moment. You know, we lot, we conceded three, uh, obviously, on Monday. Um, we conceded, who do we have the week before? Um, Tottenham, three. Tottenham, three. Uh, Wolves, all right, that went to extra time. Three before at home. Um, there you go. You see, this is the thing. It, 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 it really is a concerning picture. And you've got to wonder, again, what 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 is what is causing it you know what what is this issue as such that is uh you know as 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 i as I, I don't mean to touch upon again on on monday but that space that foden had the, the team completely they just they just they were nowhere to be seen i i mean they just he just walked in between pinnock and me and i think it was and that was and that was that he, he could have even taken a touch he didn't have to edit but uh, you know it's it, it, something is is not quite right there at the moment. But listen, 
they've had the pressures on them at the moment. Maybe that's why we just need one or two wins and then it then changes again. So listen, I don't see a reason. Wolves are on a high at the moment, but we've proved when we went there in the FA Cup we can give them a good crack. So I don't I don't see a reason why we can't go and get a draw. It's just key we need to go on, go on, you were gonna I, say I think as well with with the with the five at the back that we seem to be consistently playing at the yeah. moment, whether that be against the, the top six or not against top six. We're conceding goals that a five at the mm. back formation is meant to alleviate. Mm. I think of, I think back time. to Palace when we started five at the back and we were all kind of saying before the game, five at the back against Palace, like, come on, let's mm. have a fucking go. And then yeah. we concede two goals at the back stick that we should not be conceding when we're playing at five at the back and looking to minimise the spaces in the penalty areas. And the same happened against City. And I know I have to caveat that with it is City. They're going to spine pockets anywhere on the pitch and everywhere on the pitch and exploit you and hurt you. But... Just the, the game against Palace probably sticks out the most because of recency bias, but the fact that we conceded two back post goals, and obviously you do have to caveat that with Sam and Godos isn't a national left wing back, but there's got to be more communication there. I mean, with Pinnock's, with the goal we conceded against City, the first one, Foden's first, someone's got to give Pinnock a shout there and tell him that no one's around him, yeah. either chest it down and get it out or head it back to Flecken or do something, don't head it straight back into his path. But it just seems like at the moment, the communication isn't there. We're not handling momentum great. We're playing five at the back and we're still conceding a lot of space in our penalty area. It's uh, it's worrying and it's especially worrying, Callum, because on Saturday, normally I have Craig at this point to, to, to pull the fixtures up, but on Saturday, we play Wolves, which we'll touch on as well. I think that would be a completely different game to the last three we played against them purely because we have Ivan Tony. But Saturday, Luton play Sheffield United at home and assuming they win that game and we lose Luton could leapfrog us in the table that wouldn't put us in the bottom if Luton won on their own but Everton's result at City you can kind of write that off because I don't think they're going to win but Everton play City away Liverpool play Burnley at home but Luton in that Sheffield United game and Luton just seemed to be going from strength to strength at the moment I'm trying to see who Forrest have got Forrest have got Newcastle at home as well I mean, the city ground is a difficult place to go for any team, and Nottingham Forest are coming into that game having thumped Newcastle three 0 at their three one at their place mm, a couple of weeks mm. back. But we could really be looking at a situation next week where Luton have leapfrogged us on the table, and just I, I think out of anything, the fact that Forest could well be getting a ten points point deduction this season is really like we're, I'm praying for that points deduction because Luton just like scoring four goals at St. James's. Mm, I don't think yeah. anyone saw that coming four goals against Brighton as well. It's like they're, they're starting to come good and I, I want Luton to stay up, but like not at the expense. Not at our expense. expense. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's getting a bit worrying with, with the games that we've got. And if, especially if you look at our last four games, I think we played Forest, I think we played Luton, I think we played Burnley, all in the all in those last four games. And I know that we've spoken about on the podcast before, we kind of want a little bit more jeopardy, a bit boring finishing a mid-table, but Jesus Christ, Callum, it is going to be squeaky bum time if we don't start picking up points fast from very the games much. that we need to be picking up points from. Very much so. No, very much so. I think it's going to be a very interesting weekend this one. I think it's the kind of game Luton could lose, though, actually, because it's the first time probably this season that they've gone in as favourites. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, exactly. you know, I've heard it all before with us in the past where we've been favourites and then it's obviously gone against us. So I think for Luton, what the thing is key is they keep Ross Barkley fit. 
he completely controls that midfield for them. I mean, I mean, I, I, I say it all the time on my social media page. I am honestly, I, I really don't understand why more clubs didn't give this player an opportunity for a free transfer. You know, 27, 28 years old. He's gone to the big clubs. He's done very, very well. Didn't work out as much in France. He is looks an incredible player. Uh, and the way he passes that ball around. I and mean, I'm saying they got him on a free transfer. Honestly, I'm surprised no one went and tried to made a bid for him in January because Luton, realistically, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how they would, you know, if, they, if they would stop him as such but you know they, they i look at it and i say you know they, they've got Brentford. yes they've absolutely. Got, they've got, genuinely look at their players man to man at the moment you've got adebayo hitting form og benny's been good all season amari yeah. bell looks decent at the back obviously there's lost Lockyer in midfield but they've got sammy lakonga which is like i thought was a yeah. coup for them ross yeah, barkley as well they've got they've got really like decent players enough like enough good players to keep them in this league and i think that they will whether it's at our expense or Forest's expense or Everton's expense, because mm. like you said, I think the bottom two are nailed on. But mm. it's just, I just, I don't know. I think like the next month, we touched on it before off camera, but the next month, I feel like if we pick up no points from our next few games, it's going to be, it's, I still think we'll be okay. Don't get me wrong, but it is going to be like, wow, okay, now every game is massive and we don't mm. need that pressure. We really do not need that pressure. No, I mean, not. Let's we'll talk about the next game against Wolves. First of all, I think we've got to talk about Josh De Silva came out today. Um, that he sounds like he's done his ACL and his MCL or his ACL and his meniscus, he's going to require surgery. Um, I think people caught wind of it a couple of days ago from, from some inside information, but I think there's a few things to pick apart here. One is that I feel so sorry for Josh De Silva. I mean, if you look at his Brentford career. He was absolutely fantastic for us in the championship. Our best player in the season that we got promoted. He misses out towards the end of that campaign with a hip injury. He's out for ages in our first season. Then he comes back. Then he does his hamstring. He's out for ages in our second season. Mm-hmm. Now he comes back, has a good couple of uh, performances against Wolves, and then goes and does his ACL in training. It's just... Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. And the, it's I said- the luck of the draw. Yes, yeah, the luck of the draw. And the, the, the frustrating thing with that, having done, you know, my ACL personally, and, you know, you look at Rico Henry, you know, that you're looking at 10 to 12 months. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you won't see him back until this time next season, unfortunately, especially if he's done his meniscus as well. That's, 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 that's not good. Um, and I'm gutted. You know, I'm really, really gutted. I look back at that Wolves game in the FA Cup, and I and I just saw a player that I, how I'd missed, you know, how seeing him, you know, t- and Tottenham running, a, yeah, and Tottenham, and I just and, I, and to do it in training as well. I mean, that just sums up the luck of the player. And you know, I really hope this message gets across to him in some kind of fashion. But look, Josh, we're all with you, mate. Honestly, you've been through a lot. Um, with all these injuries that you've had over the last year or so, 
um, or even in your career at Brentford, you've had a fair, he's had a fair few of them. So, you know, we wish him well. He's got a few weeks now, I believe, that from what I was reading before he has his surgery. Um, and then the recovery starts from there. I mean, the, the, the chances of that, you know, being back for a month and then having another huge injury like that. I mean, that is just, oh, it's so frustrating. It just sums up our season up to this point, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, it it's really like, does. I've, I've been saying on, on some of the podcasts that I've been doing for opposition clubs, it's like, you know, we started all right without Tony then the injuries started coming in and the form dipped and then more injuries started coming in and now it's looking like the injuries just aren't stopping which isn't good considering we're still waiting for players like Brian Abumo to come back I think his is quite close to be fair but Kevin Sharder we don't have a time scale on that Aaron Hickey we don't have time scale on that but it's it's like once they come back now I kind of almost don't want them to play if we know that we're going to be safe because just what's the point in risking it we're not going to push any higher at the table let's just secure our status for this season but on to the it's kind of sad for Josh De Silva because I'm not sure we'll see him play for Brentford again. I know that he's contracted until the end of this season, I want to say, but we've got an option to extend it by a year. But I mean, ACL, he, like you said, it's a season out, and mm. I'm not sure. It, the thing is, I'm not even sure he would want to stay considering the lack of game time that he's had when he's actually been back in. He's not, he's not been favoured by Frank. So I can, see a, I can see a contract offer coming uh, yeah. because obviously his contract is up at the end of the season. Am I right? This season. I think it's, yeah, it's this season or it's next season. It's one of the two. So, you know, Brentford are going to have to be savvy on this one and offer it. I mean, I've seen it. We've seen it before where Brentford have offered contracts to get their player back to some kind of fitness and then decide from there of what goes on. Uh, I don't think it is the end of Josta Silva. Uh, I mean, of course, you look at him and you say, well, now he's got this huge injury. You know, our club's going to want to take a punt on him, knowing of what's what he's had over the last year or so, in particular with injuries. Um, I think there would be a few, but not as high as what he probably was expecting no. to be before this point. So Brentford, I hope, will offer him something, get him back see what they can do with him next season when he comes back around hopefully the January February time and then kick on after that but yeah he's, he's only Absolutely. 25 as well yeah I know this is, I actually I actually thought it might be one of those scenarios I hate to say it where a player just calls quits and just says yeah why why do I why do I bother I, I mean, to be honest, I don't blame him like the the the, the last yeah. three seasons has just been it's just luck has just been completely shot completely mm. shot and I mean I think it's a good point that you raised that maybe there won't be that many takers so it, maybe the club show faith in him and they offer him a new contract when he gets back but it's just like uh, if he gets another one then it's then it mm. might be just time to call it quits because we've you know we've seen it with some players they're just injury prone they have to end their careers early but mm. it's just a, such a shame with JDS because we've, we're on the podcast massive admirers of him always have been feel like that season in the championship he was our best player and it's just yeah. a shame that he hasn't been able to kind of showcase that ability in the Premier League with Brentford but Josh mate we're all with you if you're listening and we wish you a speedy yeah, recovery absolutely. let's just before we get on to some Wolves chat I feel like we should talk about Phil Giles um ever in the Brentford conversation ever in the Twitter conversation when it comes to Things that are going wrong at the club, uh, people seem to think it's all Giles' fault. Um, one thing I will say is that Fabrizio Romano tweeted out this evening that Antonio Nusa, the player that we had been courting this window, um, 
looks to well he's gone back to club bruges and it's they said that he's 100% medically fit and i i believe that the reason we didn't sign him was there were some problems with his knees or something like that and i think negotiations are still ongoing i think giles said in in the long read that he did that the club do um every time there's a transfer window that some of the work that we've done in this window will help us out in the next window but whereas uh, for a player like kevin sharder i think we wrapped up the deal and then he went back out on loan straight away and then he came back it's just it might just be one that we secure in the summer but just phil giles in general january transfer window in general obviously we've got we got region in that was the main priority but we missed out on noosa i think there were a few other rumors around don't know how much was in any of them really to be honest but i would have said in a team that is lacking wingers right now in terms of Brian Abumo being out, Wissa being at AFCON and Kevin Sharder being injured and, you know, the long injury list that we've got that's preventing us from playing a 4-3-3. Maybe for our benefit, because it, we've actually looked quite good in a 3-5, in a, in a three with Neil and Tony up top. But your assessment of the January transfer window, Callum, are you underwhelmed like a lot of people are? 100%. I think it's been one of the worst transfer windows in general. <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't even watch a day of that show on Sky Sports. It was a shambles, the old thing. No one did anything. Now, I know that's part oh, what of What about Brentford? <laughs> well, well, fair enough. Well, uh, Brentford's uh, window. <laughs> I care about anyone else. <laughs> fair enough. Brentford's window. Well, anyway, I'll give you the. I'll give you it in a gist and just say, no, it, it was a pretty poor window. I think we needed... A, I mean, I don't know what what we like with FFP, but obviously that's that's the reason why a lot of clubs didn't do business. But look, I think we got Regulon in great, but I and I know you touch upon a winger, but I think we needed a centre back because mm. if we're conceding all these goals at the moment, we needed someone in there to go and you know sort this out really. Um, but that that didn't happen. Frank actually said, funny enough, in his interview after the Tottenham game that we might have been looking at one player. Uh, which kind of got me excited. Um, but it was disappointing. I think it was really disappointing. And you, you talk about signing Musa in, and I'm just like, you know, I don't know what, what shenanigans have gone on there, to be honest with you. I, I don't know whether a Brentford are trying to pull a fast one or not. I suppose we won't know. But I, I can see what has happened personally. You know, I I think they Bruges have probably trying to put him on the market effectively and say, look, you know, there isn't a problem here. Obviously, the clubs will do their own medical assessment, but to them personally, he's fit. So they're saying to Tottenham, apparently they were interested, come and make an offer. You know, try to get an auction going. Basically, um, I don't think he'll sign for us in the summer. I don't think he will. I think we've missed our opportunity with him. Um, what's frustrating is, you know, a Bradford fan saw him on the flight back to Brussels, didn't they? I don't know if you saw that on the GPG. Yeah. Yeah. And he was (laughs) fit for that. He was, he was in the squad for Bruges next game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's frustrating. And he wanted to sign. He wanted to, he wanted to know all about the club, everything like that. Something, obviously we won't know all the transfer dealings of what, what, what's gone on behind the scenes, but something's gone wrong there. Um, and I think there's more to the, in, I, you know, I, there's more. It could have been a pre-existing injury. Let's We could say that. And it's shown up in a scan or something like that. And maybe Broford have been overcautious and trying to get a bit of money knocked off because of it. But I must say, if it is down to business, 
and they're just trying to cut back. I don't agree with that because you've got an 18-year-old player there who's done very well for Bruges. Um, he's kicked on into their first team. Yes, he's not scored much, but you know you've got. To My only worry that. is that he, he's gonna he's gonna play well for the rest of the season. He's gonna yeah. get more quarters looking at him, and of the quarters that are already looking at him, Spurs were among them, Chelsea were among them, a lot of big names. And yes, he might have chosen Brentford because he wants first team football. But there does come a point where it's like you go to a place like Tottenham, where they're offering you first team football, and they'll also triple your club wages. It kind of makes it a no brainer. No, so, so if we do miss out on Noosa. I think there'll be a meltdown and another tweet for my tweet of the week. So maybe yeah, maybe every cloud, every cloud. But yeah, I think transfer window is a bit uninspiring. I mean, Phil Giles yeah. takes a lot of the stick for it. I don't, I don't really see the, I, I don't get people directing their anger at Phil Giles when he's been at the club this long. And, you know, this is kind of the first window he's cocked up. Yes. Some of the signings that we've made have been questionable in terms of the ones that haven't quite hit the ground yet. And they've been at the club a while looking at people like Damsgaard, probably not Keno Spotter because I still think there's a good player in there. And I is one of our better players. And, you know, he's he's hit more than he's missed for sure. But people go after him and, and they blame him for Brentford's shit form this season. It's like, yeah. and Frank, I, even the tweet this week is the thing is with this season, you cannot. And it's, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. You cannot underestimate the impact of the injuries that are unforeseen and that you cannot control. Maybe they can control it. You know, the amount of injuries that have happened in training this season, I don't know what the fuck they're doing down at Jersey Road, but it really it does not sound good. No, it's not great. It's not great. No, I think, I think it's, 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 it's just the, the amount of games they've played, honestly. I'm telling you. It, you wonder why the clubs aren't... Now, the Premier League have said now they're not doing that pre-season... Um, tour um you know what they did with us in america mm. now whether that's down to the lack of interest i don't know the pitches were an absolute state when they when you know i was watching on television they looked a right old mess um so whether clubs have said we don't want to do it and then that's the end of that uh but you got i think you look at it and i say it again the part of the injuries have been caused by just too many games too many games uh pre-season tours like that pointless in my opinion I don't think don't great great exposure, yes. But if you really think it's worth it, shipping all the players out there for a week in America, nah, not at all, not at all. Some may say otherwise. There probably will be. I wanted to go out there and watch it. I don't know if you yeah. went. Did you go, Mike? Did you go? No, I wanted to. I think yeah. I think it's beneficial, and it's something that the club definitely definitely needs to do if they want to grow into mm. different markets. But I do see what you're saying with with a lot of our players being international now. They're going through World Cup qualifiers. They're going through Euro mm. qualifiers. It is a lot of games, and it's a trend that we've seen across the Premier League this season. There has been an abnormal amount of injuries. I feel like every kind of team you mention, whether it's United or Brighton or Spurs, it's like injury crisis, injury crisis, or Newcastle, injury crisis. And we have unfortunately been at the top of that list in terms of days missed through injury. But it is definitely this season there has been a no noticeably more injuries in every club. And it's got to be something... To, well, the, I mean, the only explanation is the the sheer volume of games but you know we love football and i want to see more football i'd lo I'd love more football but Absolutely. when it's when it's to the detriment of players staying fit then there's a debate there to be had but you and i talking about it on a podcast can i make and do a fucking thing so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll move on to wolves how are we how are we feeling ahead of the wolves game I, I mentioned earlier that i think it's going to be a completely different game to the three that we've played them 
over the last over the last couple of months. I can't believe we've played them three times in such a short space of time. But I feel like it's going to be a different game. The fact that we've got Tony, I, I feel like even in the FA Cup game, the replay, it was a much closer game than we, we were better in the FA Cup replay than we were against them with when they had ten men. And obviously, it wasn't hard to be better than than them better than that when we played them at our place in the league when we got spanked 4-1. But I'm, I say that I'm confident, but I'm going to be the most confident going into this game than any other game this month, maybe apart from West Ham. But I just feel like it, it would be, it would be very Brentford to go there and put a shift in. And I feel like a point would be a very, very valuable point against one of what is, what is one of the form teams of the division. Obviously they're coming into the game off the back of a, big result against well, I don't know how big you can say it is really to go into stuff Chelsea these days but they've done it we've done it recently and they've done it now um and they have had some good results recently they have obviously they, they they're on the unlucky side of a 4-3 loss against United but in terms of the games that they've played this season in the last in the last few games I think they've won four out of their last five or, or something similar to that how how are you feeling ahead of it I think it'll be an entertaining game. I think this Wolves team is is playing football like they haven't played for a, a mm-hmm. very, very you know long time, um, and I think they are thriving under a ever promising manager of Gary with Gary O'Neill. I think he's a fantastic manager. What he's done for Bournemouth um, and what he's now doing in particular at Wolves. I actually think they probably will get in the top seven. I think they, they're on such a form at the moment. Um, and the players they've got in there are really, really good quality. Um, so I think there's going to be some goals. I don't know what the score will be, but I think I would take a draw. Yeah. But really, 100%. I would take a draw 100%. You know, technically, we, you know, we've done it once this season by going there and drawing in the FA Cup. So, you know, um, obviously, and then losing an extra time. But, you know, Let's let's get a draw, and we can build on that going forward. I don't, I don't want to lose badly. I really don't want to lose badly because if you do that, then then you're then looking into the next game and saying, "Blimey, you know how many we're going to seed." So, put on a good performance, score some goals, try and keep a clean sheet, and if not, come away, you know, with a, at least a draw. At least <laughs> yeah. a draw. That's all I want from the team. That's all I want. The performance, the performance needs to be there. I remember last season we went there and we lost two 0 I want to say, that was right. and it was it was one, one of the worst performances of the season. There was no fight, yeah. there was no clear cut chances for us, apart from maybe Tony hit the bar. I want to say maybe, but Tony um, scored. Tony scored, didn't he? And very late on, I was already back at the train station by then. It was an did he score? He did score. Yeah, he did. I thought it was two yeah. 0 It was two one. He scored. He scored uh, late on, didn't he? And. Um, I must have been gone we, anyway, to be honest. Yeah, no, you, you were gone. Yeah, I, I think I remember very well. We were long gone. It was just a day which we didn't turn up on. We didn't turn on. We on. we don't need that. We need good performances. And they've all been good performances since Tony's been back. And it's been built as this return. Tony's going to be back. We're going to be a completely different team. And at the moment, we really have been. And mm. if we if we go to Wolves and we put in a terrible performance and we lose 2 or 3-0... It's gonna be it's gonna be head scratching time because then it's like well we can't go to a team like Wolves who before the season we would have said we should be competing at a level that Wolves are competing on considering Gary O'Neill came in and had about three days in charge before mm. taking over mm. and you know they were favourites to to be amongst the relegation fighters this year 
we need to be going to Wolves and at, at the very minimum putting in a good performance because we come away from there with a terrible performance and a 3-0 loss. There's going to be some more tweets of the week. I can tell you that much for free. I can tell you that couldn't much for free. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah, agree I think, more. I think that would be a good place to wrap up. The Edinburgh podcast will be back tomorrow, hopefully for a proper preview of the Wolves game with Harry from the Wolves 77 podcast who I did the last preview with. He hasn't replied to me yet, but he did say that he was up for it. So I'm, I'm hoping that he will get back to me in the next sort of day or so and if so, we'll have a Wolves preview coming out tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled for that. In the meantime, please do drop your comments for the next episode. Are we going down? Do we have a chance against Wolves? Will Ivan Tony make a difference up top? I want to know. So please let us know in the comments. Uh, I'll do my best to reply and we'll bring them into, we'll bring those kind of talking points to the next show. I've liked how we've had that over the last couple of full times. It's nice to see people interacting and telling us what you think because that's the that's the way we do it that's what we like and whilst you're at it please do go and share the podcast with a friend as word of mouth helps us out massively subscribe to the youtube and spotify channels and also give us a follow on our socials that's at the elam road on twitter and at elam road pod on instagram callum it's been a pleasure sir and i will see you on saturday always thank you very much see you later all Podcast Network.